Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Billy Munger. Hi, I'm Johnny Hooper. And good day. It's time to lift the lid on this week's news from around the world of F1 and look ahead to the Australian Grand Prix. Johnny, mate, been a little while, week off. How's it been? Uh, well, not brilliant because since Saudi, I've got a cold well, from the granddaughter. So thanks for that, Andy. Nice. I'll be hearing my voice. <laughs> a little bit, and then I bought a brake disc for my uh, Rotax Max. Yeah, so I'm getting very close to sort of getting that back together as well. We'll get it back on track. As nice. Well. Then obviously just been catching up and all the all the stories, all the stories around the world of F1. What about you? Yeah, not too much to be honest, mate. We've had a few family members in the war zone, but we're back up to to health as well. I think we've both had our our fair share of bits and pieces on, but yeah, yeah. a break from F1, but it's going to be good to get back to it looking forward to australia yeah just wanted to again say thanks to everyone so far for being with us on our virtual tour of the 2023 f1 season this episode we're going to give you everything you need to know and inform your pre-race chat for australia and try to offer our perspectives if you'd like to hear it <laughs> and anything you want to know throughout the week let us know send your questions to lift the lid pod on social media We'll be answering as many as we can later in the week with our team radio episode. So, coming in, Johnny, what's the, the first thing on the agenda for today? Well, before we get into Melbourne, let's cover off uh, a few of the stories making headlines over the last few days. Firstly, a change at McLaren. Ooh, James Key, technical director. He's off. Yeah, there's been a, a reshuffle over at McLaren. And with David Sanchez coming in from Ferrari. Yeah, do you know either of those guys particularly well, Johnny, from your time in Formula 1? I know James. James I know because when I did a little bit of work at, uh, what was it, Force India, Jordan, it was Jordan, Spiker, Midland, all through that sort of changes that, that went on there. So I knew James from those days. Lovely, lovely man. Um, but I was really happy for him when he got this opportunity at McLaren to 
sort of maybe sort of raised the game, you know, get himself in a, in a better situation with the sort of the team uh, around him at, at McLaren. And it started, didn't it? It started off really well. We saw sort of Lando or Daniel struggling a little bit, but Lando really starting to sort of shine. And then this season, uh, it's just been a little bit, a little bit difficult for them, let's say it that way, because the performance, Billy, really, has not quite been there. No, for McLaren this year has been yeah a real um, step down in terms of the performance levels, hasn't it really, mate? I mean, we've, we're expecting them to be in the mix, you know, like third yeah. or fourth quickest car, you know, trying to chase that top three down, close the gap. But yeah, this year they they don't look like they've got the, the package to, to fight at the front at the minute. They've, there's been a lot of talk around um, Baku being a race that, you know, they're going to bring a lot of upgrades to and... That hopefully that should yeah. get them more competitive and in the mix but yeah it's not the start to the season they would have liked do you think just like talking about the fact that they you know they're changing key personnel like a technical director is like you know someone very key to the heartbeat of that team well yeah do you think it feels like a little bit like you know they're reshuffling things and getting rid of people early in the season for you know, no reason, or do you think that this was like a warranted move? Well, I, I suppose if you look at it from from performance, it's a warranted move because it hasn't really done this McLaren sort of you know sort of climbing up the up the pecking order and looking competitive against you know the big teams at the front, <clears throat> and then you have a little bit of a difficult start to the season. I think I think there is you could hang on and wait and wait and hope it all changes, but of course that's losing losing time. And then you've got to sort of go, right, when is that point where we have to decide when we are going to change the direction we're in at the moment? So personally, as much as I love I love James, um, it's a situation with David Sanchez. You know, he's joining from Ferrari. Hopefully he's got a lot of knowledge from what Ferrari were doing. And we can see that, okay, they're struggling at the present time. But we know in the past couple of seasons, they've actually been not that bad at all. They've been sort of at the sharp end and that experience is going to be something that's going to be very useful for McLaren with a bit of luck. So with David there, it might just start this season anyway to just put the right ingredients into the team because I think, we, as we both know, you know, a technical director is a very, very strong uh, part of part of the team. Adrian Newey, you know, that's effectively, you know, that's what Adrian is. And with all his team around him, we know what he's been able to produce over the years. So it's it had to change, Billy, I suppose. It's a bit like football where they change the managers every five minutes. But I hope that's something we don't see too often uh, in Formula 1. But I understand why they've, they've decided to do it now. Yeah, sometimes the decisions like this, you know, they pay dividends and the, the new guy comes in and gets everyone going in the right direction but it can take a period of adjustment for anyone new to to you know get in sync with a new team and new people around them so let's hope for McLaren's sake that they can hit the ground running and David Sanchez can you know yeah slot into that role nicely and get them back up up to speed and get their season back on track yep the other thing to mention from the last episode that we uh, we put out is about cost capping and there's been a little bit of news around that so uh, John Noble at motorsport.com has come out and he said yeah. that Formula One chiefs are lined up for discussions with teams about potential changes to the cost cap rules to help smaller squads catch up. So what firstly, I guess, what do you make of the whole cost cap situation we've currently got? And do you think there is room for improvement when it comes to getting everyone 
closer to each other because at the minute we still have the usual suspects that we had yeah. before the cost cap at the front. So there's there still is some advantage you'd probably say the bigger teams have got at the current moment. Yeah, but, well, I think I think it's it's overall well, very well. You know, it's made Formula One more attractive, more affordable. Um, the big teams yeah. still, as you just said, are the ones who are still sort of dominating it, I suppose, from that point of view. So the cost cap obviously initially came in 145. It was 175, I think, just before we, when we were talking about it, before we had the COVID and lockdown. And then it was then decided, you know, 145, 140, and then 135 as we have it for this season until yeah. 2025, I think it is. Yeah. So all that is good, but I do remember a little bit of chat going on when this was initially discussed okay. and i know that i think the worry i remember Otmar zaf now i think he's he's mentioned it james vowels going from mercedes to williams has noticed that difference with a big team yeah and, and the problem was for the small teams it was right okay we'll do a cost cap but everything that's involved in 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 a team is all about developing a car. Now, if you haven't, and I know it's something that has been given um, a little bit of get, help the smaller teams a little bit, is obviously the wind tunnel. So a wind tunnel, you can still actually build a, a new wind tunnel. Um, but everything yeah. else that doesn't come out of the cost cap, so there's a little bit of a of a little bit of a benefit from that. But everything else that's in there, I know James Vowles has sort of mentioned it before, but all the little sort of intricate parts of the 4 in one team, I don't know he mentioned, I think he mentioned about some sort of software because all the sort of the 20,000 pieces on a Formula 1 car, you know, it's how you manage and watch what stock you have and how everything is sort of, you know, lifed on a car as well. So all those little ingredients yeah. and testing brakes on a, on a dyno or a simulator or whatever it may be or testing, gearboxes etc etc that all comes out of the budget but the big teams already have that there that was before the cost cap came in so they've been able to sort of have a head start i suppose and and knowing that the small teams can't catch up because the cost cap doesn't actually allow them to get closer with the technology that the big teams have and i think this is trying to yeah it's leveling it up isn't it but also with all those little ingredients that a Formula One team uses to be able to sort of get the performance better, it has to open up. It has to allow those smaller teams to be able to catch up from that point of view. Yeah, I completely agree. But in general, I would say from the first couple of races this season, what we've seen over the last couple of years, really, since the cost cap came in, I think the racing across the whole field has definitely got closer together. I mean, a couple of the qualifying sessions we've seen at the start of this year, I think it was just over 1.2 seconds or around 1.2 seconds covered the whole field in a Q1 session that we've had at the start of this season. So that shows that, you know, on one lap pace, that that's closed up right up because it used to be multiple seconds from the start of the field to the back of the field. Yeah. Now that's closed up. Obviously, it kind of, what well, I think what's distorting it a little bit is just how good Red Bull are because they seem to have a big chunk of a margin up top. So everyone thinks, oh, it's not closed up at all. But that's just because they're a step ahead of everyone. Where if you look at your Mercedes, your Aston Martins, your Ferraris, you know, Alpine last last time out in Saudi Arabia, they're all quite closely bunched up together within a few ten temps of each other. So I think there's definitely signs that it's working the cost cap, but there's always room for improvement. I think that's what Formula One as a sport is all about, is that, you know, we, there's never anything to be left on the table. And if, yeah, if the teams want to get together and discuss those changes about how 
certain bits of equipment that might be coming out of the budget um, are sort of not helping that spread in performance. And if they were all on the same playing field with what they had back at the factories, then that might close things up. And I think that's definitely a discussion worth having because we want the best racing possible. You just mentioned your go-kart that you rebuild in your Rotax, you know, go-kart. And we all know how close that racing is and how fun that was, you know, to be involved with as a kid. Yeah. It was wheel-to-wheel action. And that's because, you know, you had fairly level equipment across the board. So that's what we're trying to do. But on a Formula One scale, I guess, with this, this cost cap is make it level to a point where you get the best action possible. Yeah. You know, I know the rules have probably helped that to be, to be perfectly honest with uh, with the ground effect cars that we have now. But of course, those bigger teams still have more abilities to find out the right direction that they need to go to get the most from this new formula we've got. So you're right, it is it is closer. But is that the cost cap or is that because of the change of the rules? And I think the change of the rules is definitely one of those that has helped. But we've still got the gap between the top lot and then the sort of the rest. So that hasn't sort of changed. Yes, yeah. it's got closer, but closer doesn't mean you're going to beat them. You know, it doesn't no. mean that. But Very you, true. You have Aston Martin, for example, where they're building a new factory. They're building a new wind tunnel. But this is all these specific exemptions that, that, that are there in that cost cap. But, but it's how you then allow those teams further down, because obviously there's a bigger investment gone into Aston at the moment, but how those bigger teams are allowed to try and explore the avenues. A bit like, again, James Vowell's coming from Mercedes. He knows everything that they've got. Then he goes to Williams, and they haven't got half of that stuff. But at the mo- at the present time, they don't have a chance of being able to close the gap because they're not allowed to, and because he just takes out of that 135 million budget that we've got at the moment. We know how tough that is to manage that and then you sort of go well we've got to sort of and they'll put a new dyno in for brakes for example you know there's a massive cost to that and it's a big chunk of change that comes out of the out of that budget as well but the big teams don't have to do that they still have that yeah because they've already got it so it's those little things yeah i think that needs to be spoken about which seems to be something that i hope would would will be allowed to 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 you know to get it more level Level player, I'm sure. So you're thinking that we're on the right track with this, Johnny, then you think the discussions that are sort of being brought up, you think it will only benefit the sport, really? Well, I mean, well it will do, won't it? You know, we'll have more people, more teams having a chance at, you know, taking it to the big guys. It'll take a bit of time before they understand everything that they need to be able to beat a Red Bull. Not, you know, we've got the might of Mercedes, we've got the might of Ferrari, Aston Martin doing very well at the moment. But even they can't work out how to beat Red Bull. So even the big teams that have got all those, all those ingredients there can't do it. So the smaller teams who haven't got it have got a chance at the moment. Now, as the as the cost cap is, they don't have a chance in hell of closing that gap because they haven't got that ability to take out the budget that they've got. So that's where hopefully there will be a little bit of common sense coming into play. And what and what will he do? Well, it will benefit us as race fans because we'll be able to see. Yeah. The likes of Williams, maybe the likes of Alpha Tauri, uh, and Alpha Romeo, it'd be Audi. Well, that'd be the inter- interesting one with the future with, with Audi. They'll want to hit the ground running, won't they, Johnny? Yeah, they want to hit the Yeah, so again, they'd be trying to sort of manoeuvre it that, that it will, you know, they will benefit as well. But it benefits Formula One as a whole. It makes it more 
exciting because you know that gap that you were talking about, Billy, will get smaller and smaller and smaller. Exactly what we want. Yeah, we w- we want it to be a case where you know the drivers are, are having a big impact. If you get a special lap for an Alex Albon and a Williams, it's rewarded with actually putting him up the sharp end of the grid rather than sort of at the minute if Alex Albon or someone like that delivers the best lap of their career, they might sneak into Q3 and be 8th or ninth on the grid and it kind of can sometimes go under the radar. So, you know, there's a lot of talented drivers out there. It'd be nice to to let them shine in, in a sense and yeah. get to the stage where the field is, you know, much closely covered, where if you, you have a good day, you're rewarded with sticking yourself right up the, the sharp end of the grid. Should we move on to the sharp end of the grid? Yes. Let's move on to, to Red Bull. And this is a, a bit of a curveball, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Lewis Hamilton in a Red Bull. Uh, Christian Horner's come out kind of disregarding the possibility of Lewis joining Red Bull. Yeah. I mean, is there any chance that you could ever see a Max Verstappen Lewis Hamilton line up at Red Bull? I, I, I don't think so. I think, I think the time I, I, no. I was racing in the 90s, obviously, with Michael, Michael never would probably want to have. The bet, the second best driver, as he would have seen it, the second best driver in the, in the car yeah. on the other other side of the garage. I think Max is in a similar yeah. situation. I, I, you know, I remember Etten Senna was in the same thing, same situation. Although he was teammates with Alan Prost and Berger, etc. Over the years, I I don't see it, and I don't see it just because I think it the the harmony that they have at the present time, Red Bull. It's a bit like Mercedes. They don't ever want to try and rock the boat by having someone who's going to come in and maybe make it just more difficult for the relationship between the two drivers. But then it's how you control those two drivers as well. And we know what happens when one's in a Red Bull, one's in Mercedes, and when they get together, it normally gets a bit feisty. Yeah. And if you then throw that into the mix when you're within a team as well, they they obviously don't get on with <laughs> Because we can see that what happens on the track. I think that's yeah an understatement. You can't throw in something that is really going to make it very very difficult to control when Red Bull for example yeah. in such a position they are at the moment. Why why rock the boat? So I I I don't see it. I know it's been sort of it's been spoken about for the last couple of seasons. If if it never worked out with Mercedes, for example, we're in that situation at the present time. But would he go anywhere else? That's I suppose that's the question. If it's not Red Bull, then where where else would it be? But I think Christian seems to have uh, yeah, what's that word? Disregarded it. So I I guess that's yeah, not gonna not gonna happen. But you never know. No, nah, at the minute I think <laughs> you, I can't see them. It would be very I guess disruptive to the Red Bull team if you chucked a Lewis Hamilton in there. That that definitely wouldn't go down without a few fireworks and without a little bit of. A potential divide happening within that team if you've got a seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton on one side of the garage and then his arch rival in the other side there's, there's no way that team can you know be a happy friendly environment in my opinion that's going to get hostile very quickly yeah but it's going to be like pick a side sort of territory yeah but wouldn't it be brilliant to see <laughs> it would right now <laughs> it would be awesome to see yeah right now Red Bull are finishing one two no matter what it, yeah. it feels like and it would be good to make sure that, in a lot of people's opinions, the best two drivers on the grid were actually fighting for that first and second week in, week out. I think that would give you, like you mentioned there, Johnny, like an absolute cracker of a world championship. But I, I, I generally don't know which way that 
that battle would go. If they were in equal machinery and there was no, you know, like A side and B side of the team as such, which are, if Lewis Hamilton goes anywhere, you would think that he's going to get a fair crack at the whip with his track record. Yeah, that would be action-packed. I think we'd we'd be on the edge of our seats as Formula One fans watching those two go go at it in the same car. Yeah, yeah. Again, it would be interesting to know if Lewis is up for that that challenge. As that well. is a good question. Yeah, yeah. Remember Gerhard Berger told me many years ago that he would never have joined a team with Michael Schumacher as the, the as he saw it, the number one. He wouldn't have gone near it. Mm, so drivers yeah. do have an understanding of this is going to be very very difficult. Is it worth me from my career point of view? It's different for Lewis because I guess it's at the end of his career. But you never want to end your career on a negative because you know if it, if it didn't work, there'd always be these these people that would say, look, yeah, he got beaten by Max because Max was better. Well, no, that's not the case. It's trying to, you always try, as as a driver, I always think, you always try and go against sort of the very, very best. Okay. Each driver has a different time of when everything is at its very, very best. Probably, I think as we discussed last time, I think, you know, at this present time, it's Max is probably the faster driver just purely because... Lewis has had his peak and Max is only going to get stronger and stronger. From this point on, he's only going to get better and better. But that's not taking away what Lewis has achieved at all. But, yeah, does 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 Lewis want to do it? Does Lewis feel that that would excite him? I would think as a driver, yes. Do you think he's slightly maybe low yeah. confidence right now? Because currently Lewis has got George as his teammate yeah. Mercedes yeah. and he's not like he's... Completely having his own way over George. So, do you think the prospect of then going up against Max right now? Do you think there's part of him that thinks that's just you know I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself there? And like you say, if he doesn't deliver and Max sort of dominated him or you know had the upper hand, then instantly a lot of people would potentially devalue what he's already done in the sport. Yes, sure, and that would be totally wrong if that that happened, obviously. But I I suppose it's like it's like anything. Billy, from our karting days all the way through the various formulas that we've raced in, the enjoyment factor is a, a massive part of being in the cockpit yeah, itself. You've got to enjoy what you do. You've got to enjoy what you do. So enjoying, enjoying what you're doing is, is one thing. But then, as you've mentioned, it's your teammate and it's George at the present time. And George has done a very, very, very good job up against a seven-time world champion. And would we say he's faster at the moment? In, in a one lap, weirdly, you'd probably say yes. In a race situation at the moment, you'd probably say, yeah, no, maybe not. Maybe Lewis just has that experience for whatever reason that allows him to to beat him in a race situation. The same as Fernando Alonso. You know, he's he's still got that ability in a race to dig out a brilliant performance. Um, so I think that never that never disappears. So then when you look at what's happening with George, do you then feel that things are not quite as they as easy as they used to be? Because Lewis has always had that, other than when he was more with um, uh, with Nico, that was the really sort of the tough yeah. time that he had, maybe the early days. of Yeah, Nico season. gave him a good run for his money. Fernando at McLaren. Um, but he's, he, he can see now that these youngsters are mighty quick nowadays. So is that enjoyment factor, if it carries on and, and George gets better, let's say, this season, is that where the question mark starts to come into play? I'm, quite, I'm not feeling it as much as I did before. It's not as easy as it was before. I've got to risk more things 
which I didn't do before. So all those little bits might sort of come into come into his mind, and maybe that will be maybe a bigger factor than anything else. But that's something that we can't feel or see because that's all going to be in in his head. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting yeah. sort of dynamic to to watch across the season to see how you know the George Lewis inter-team rivalry goes and you know just to see in general where Mercedes get themselves to if they can bounce back at any point where we feel like we're seeing a rejuvenated Lewis Hamilton or whether we're seeing someone who's you know who wants that eighth title and wants out and potentially you know isn't you know able to extract the best out of himself because of the sort of weird situation he finds himself in yeah no it's gonna be very very interesting to watch how that that sort of works out but uh well let's take a break quick break uh when we come back let's get down to it and the melbourne grand prix hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Welcome back. Right then, Johnny, let's get down to business. Race number three, the Australian Grand Prix this weekend in Albert Park. I've never had the chance, Johnny, to, to drive around Albert Park. I've been out to Australia, you know, watched the F1, absolutely loved it. It was actually my first ever Formula One race that um, I was involved with with Channel 4. So yeah. that was um, a wicked one to go to. Loved that. Loved the atmosphere, loved the circuit. What what do you think of Albert Park? Good memories, like the circuit. Uh, uh, memories, uh, not very good. Okay, <laughs> strong start. Well, if you do Australia, and I can't remember my my Melbourne history, but I think if I remember correctly, I've only finished one race. Oh no! And the last two years, I did one at Stewart. <clears throat> we didn't get off the grid. Rubens had the spare cars, and we carried on. No, <laughs> that's not what you were. Uh... Following season, I was in Jaguar. I never actually got to the grid. And that was the end of Brendan. Not there. got to the grid. Well, we got to the grid. No, the Jaguar, no, it had a problem. But I, we'd left the grid itself, but I had to go straight into the pit lane and then that was it. Race was over straight away. Johnny, not going to lie, I wish I did more research and yes. found out this facts rather than bringing up these terrible memories for you, mate. I do apologise. Yes, that's quite, quite <laughs> okay. I think 96, I think it was, I didn't actually do the first lap. Yeah, if I took out Jacques Villeneuve and Jacques crashed into me, so I went out into turn one as well. So, as you can see, not brilliant stats no. for Australia. But the circuit was fantastic. You said about the atmosphere? Yeah. Wonderful atmosphere. Australians really do get into their, 
into their Formula One. We feel yeah. that, you felt that, just turning up. Yeah. Um, so that's always a very positive thing. But the circuit is a massive challenge. It really is a great flowing type of circuit. We've got that quick uh, left, right on the back straight as well, which is mighty quick, but really, really challenging uh, as well. And then the, the actual, the rest of the circuit, it's got to flow, but you've got to get in that slow. It really does punish you if you don't quite get it together. And that's the challenge of it. Is it as narrow as it looks from the outside? Is it one of those circuits? Does it have that street circuit feel to it at heart? Or do you feel like you've got a bit of, you know, breathing room? You've obviously, it's not walls either side of you like we had in Saudi Arabia, but it is narrow in certain parts. Yeah, I think you feel that sort of street street circuit feel for it, for sure. Uh, there's a couple of places where it is a bit more open, but overall, the majority of it, I'd probably say 90 90 sort of center percent of it feels exactly like a street a street track so from that point of view that's great because that's exactly what i always enjoyed uh when i was racing in formula three but also then in formula one so overall b it's a it's a really good as i said challenging track for the drivers and the drivers love going back there the drivers love the challenge that he has in qualifying and then equally so in the race it can be frustrating to overtake that's the only thing that we've had in the past but i think better know potentially this year i think we'll have a few more opportunities of cars being able to to pass i hope and i think if that happens then i think we're going to nor as normal have a very good <coughs> mid, mid pack uh, race and then hopefully we have a bit of a mix up at the front you know i thought i really did feel that and as you know, with my prediction, which I'm sure we'll go, go, go to some point. Yeah, don't worry. I won't let that one go. Yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, my, with Ferrari after one race looking okay, not quite sort of getting it together in a race. And you thought, well, actually, they're going to be more, more competitive uh, in Saudi. And that didn't happen. So I hope there is something where it's going to be track-related that will suit either Aston, either Ferrari, maybe maybe with Mercedes, but I, I probably doubt it in many respects, where they will challenge Red Bull, because we don't want... You know, it's fantastic what Red Bull are doing at the present time, but we don't want them to run away with it. But the positive thing we've got, which was a bit like when we, we had the domination with Mercedes, and then especially when we had it with Nico and Lewis, at least there was a battle between the two drivers, which at the, at the moment... We do have that, but we do want to have a challenge from from the, the other teams for sure. So I have, so I hope this I hope this this circuit does achieve that. Well, you've already mentioned that you, you've answered the first question about you know can anyone touch Red Bull and realistically Brilliant. that that Red Bull are going to have you know a decent they've had a decent chunk in their back pocket on a qualifying day and then on race day they've they've normally managed to capitalise on that and you know have the upper hand. We've had Helmut Marco coming out since the last race, and and he said that he thinks we'll see a slightly different Max Verstappen in Australia, and he says that he apparently he was only at around eighty percent fitness in Saudi Arabia because of you know being unwell and poorly, which is why he wasn't there on the Thursday. Yeah, an eighty percent Max Verstappen who, in practice and the early parts of qualifying, looked like he was going to dominate qualifying. And then on race day, went from 15th to second, was only at 80%, Johnny. I mean, I'm sat here right now thinking, is he going to lap everyone? What What is going to go on here then? Well, this is this is the thing we were discussing a little bit earlier on. You know, Max, you know, is in a is in a really special place at the moment. That's only going to get stronger and stronger. And if that is true, he's only 80%, which I'd be surprised in many respects. Because... 
I think whenever you go through a cold or a bit of an injury, as we saw with Lance Stroll in, in Bahrain, we, we overcome it somehow. Yeah. So I think Lance was probably more battered than what Max would have been, just with a little sort of illness cold that he had, maybe a bit of food poisoning. But there's so many, the science of all that is such a, is in such a higher place compared to when, when I was racing. So everything would have been done to get him, get his body in a, in a good position. But uh, yeah, it would always say to be agile for sure. If it's a 20% edge, I'm not quite sure about that one. Yeah, I'm but, not convinced. Surely not. No, not at all. No. But I, I get, again, this goes to a little bit of the conversation we're having with Lewis. This just shows where the team still is very much, they want Max do the job i was about to say it feels like it they're geared toward max aren't yeah, they they are it is and that's that's the problem for another driver going in there or that's a problem for the driver. we've seen it with sergio you know he's been a, a little bit more outspoken than than he used to be when he was at, at uh, racing black force india for example but you need to be like that you've got to have a little bit of an edge and that's the only way you're going to be able to try and unbalance max or whoever it may be who's a quick a quick old teammate. Do you think it's got anything to do with the fact that Red Bull managed to to get Max at a young age? They've sort of nurtured him through, you know, Toro Rosso at the time as it was, into that Red Bull seat. You know, as a company in general, Red Bull, you know, that's their drive young driver program has, you know, brought through a lot of, you know, drivers to Formula One. Yep. And that's the one thing that they haven't got with Perez. He's obviously, you know, learnt his craft in other teams and has you know joined Red Bull sort of at the end sort of coming towards the end of his career when he's a bit more older do you think that that's naturally why they favour Max in in a certain sense or do you think um, it's more down to the fact they just think Max has got more potential for the future you know I, I don't know was Max a Red Bull driver no you know he just came in with you know a, a good reputation Yoss was pushing big time for him to go to Mercedes, I remember that was never ever going to happen. Yeah, and then I think Helmut Marco took a part and gave him that chance, and the yeah, honest turned out to be an absolute ace yeah. <laughs> from Helmut's point of view. Red Bull, to be yeah. perfectly honest, because they absolute got blind to that the best, one, the best thing on track at the moment. So again, there's there's elements to what you're saying, Billy. I think as far as the situation we have today. I think that comment from Helmet is just showing that, you know, the focus is still very much on Max. But I have to give Red Bull credit because they are giving also a child for surgery as yeah. well. So it's not yes, Max, 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 yeah, Max. It's not track, do this, do that in Max. terms of instructions to Sergio, yeah. is it? No, exactly. There there was all that communication as we saw in Saudi a little bit, but I think that was just the management of the whole situation that Red Bull was in. I don't think it was aimed at trying to make, get Max to, to win. Yeah. Beat Sergio by sort of turning him back out of it. And now with Max in there, and okay, now you can sort of go for it. He never, he never materialised through various situations that probably Max was having. But I think at the end of the day, yes, there's favouritism, but that's a human part as well because he's done the job for them. Yeah, he scored the points needed to win the constructors. Exactly. So there's a, there's a lot of other ingredients that that sort of need to come into play to make the whole team in a very very good place, and it's in a good place at the moment. Why why try to rock the boat? Because both your drivers are, are winning races, also finishing second <laughs> yeah. as well, and and that's just only making their season 
looks like anyway their season of, of being one of the best that we've we've seen from Red Bull in many respects, I suppose. In in one in a couple of words, mate, Perez can he mount a challenge for the title? I'm saying across a season, I don't think he can stay close enough or consistent enough to hang with Max. I think realistically, Max has, has got that that championship. Do you think that's the case? Well, if I look at the first two races that we've had, it's um, uh, a racetrack in Bahrain that Sergio has done well at uh, in that mm-hmm. uh, racing point, winning. So we know he's competitive there. We've also seen him get the pole position last year, but actually race. Uh, race uh, very well there as well. So maybe it's a track that sort of is uh, suited to, his style he's suited to. He was able to win the race this this year. Now we're going to Australia, which is a very, very different different type of track. Now, you're absolutely right, I think, Billy. Can he do it over one full season? He hasn't probably proved that thus, uh, this, uh, uh-huh. thus far, but he has proved it when it was a racing point, for example. So he can do it over a season, but that's been, I think that's that happiness that you feel as a driver, then you can actually get in the cockpit with that happiness and then deal with all the pressures on the outside of that cockpit. You just leave them on the outside and then you just get in the car and you actually do the job. He's He's in a positive place because he's doing so well with the first two races that we've got. So that is going to be interesting to see if he can carry that on. I think. I think there's a chart because drivers, when they're in a in a good place, can produce their best performances. And this may be just the right ingredient, maybe the right time for Sergio with everything that's going on at the, at the present time. Yeah, listen, I hope I'm wrong, Johnny, honestly. I hope I'm wrong and I hope we've got another Nico Rosberg against no. Lewis situation. I hope it <laughs> you know, goes down to the wire and it's you know going back and forth throughout the season. I hope Sergio can do that, you know. <laughs> Whether that will happen or not, we'll have yeah. to wait and find out. I think he can, but of course that's down to, to him to be able to show us as as race fans that, you know, I've got what it takes. I think he's got what it takes. We just have to see if he can get the whole way through. It'd be interesting. It'll very, be very, very interesting. interesting. It seemed like you're uh, it was there a dog in the background yeah. there, Johnny Voice and his opinions on Sergio. Yes. There's yeah, my wife has been back. Fighting Sergio's corner. He was cheering for him, so yeah. It did. It sounded aggressive, mate. That one, I think. I think we got no, a Sergio quite, fan in there. Yeah, see, I'll, I'll show you when he comes back in. Yeah, he's uh, he's not the most vicious thing in the, on earth. Good as gold, is he? A uh, good. Yeah, he's actually scared of people. He gives it the old yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and then he just hours away and runs away. So yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the the big three teams chasing Red Bull for this weekend? Obviously, you've got Aston Martin. You know, Alonso's yeah. now had two podiums. We can confirm two. That That is a, <laughs> a now a fact. Um, we've got Mercedes as well, Ferrari. I mean, each team sort of, you know, got something going on in the pipeline, in the background, you know, trying to figure out a way to, to get things together. You'd probably say Aston Martin are um, the team that are most settled in terms of their challenge at um, of going towards Red Bull, but you know they had reliability problems with Lance last time out. So you yeah. know, feels like every every one of those teams has got something that isn't a hundred percent right in order to to sort of challenge Red Bull. But who who are you thinking before we get into proper predictions? Are, are there any of those three teams you think are going to suit Australia, the circuit, gonna gonna have a good weekend? I suppose I'm going to do a little bit of experience here. So that goes to Aston Martin with Fernando. Because I think yeah. 
you know, he's he's in a very comfortable place. He's happy with the the season so far. I'm only up to two, but he'd be happy with the results that he's got. And Australia is one of those where you can to get it right, it will it will give back to you. So if he has to have a chance of uh, can can they beat can they beat a Red Bull? Okay, I think it's, it's the thing. It's a bit like Ferrari. We can see like Charlie Clerk in in in, um, in Saudi. You know, it was only one and a half tenths from Sergio. Uh, then of course he gets seven plays penalty. But but they looked quick. Like they were. It was three. Was it two and a half tenths or three tenths in uh, in Bahrain? The difference between Red Bull and Ferrari. So they're not a million a million miles away. Got closer in Saudi, but then he's a million miles away when it comes down to the race. That's the problem. But you have mentioned that Australia's potentially harder to overtake at, mate. So qualifying could be more important in Australia than it has been at the other tracks. Yeah, well, I I would say absolutely 100%. But the problem is, from what I've seen in the first two, is they can get close. Ferrari have got close. But they're not close when it comes down to a race. That's that's the big difference. On a track, that, that is difficult to overtake anyway. But if you're not close, you've got no chance. So it doesn't actually matter if it's hard to overtake or not because you're never going to get that opportunity because you're not race yeah. pace wise up able to take him and put them under pressure. You know, that's all you're trying to do is put them under pressure. And at the present time in the race situation, that's never never happened so far in the two that we've seen. Sounds like you're uh, heading towards an Aston Martin weekend for me. Well, I think I'm, I'm probably going to put just because I've been disappointed in front. I suppose I always want them to sort of try and sort of take it to Red Bull. But it hasn't happened at the moment. But the most consistent one out of those two is Aston Martin, isn't it? That's that's the yeah. That's the in, in, interesting thing is because obviously the car works. It worked in Bahrain and it worked in a completely different scenario when we're in Saudi Arabia. Now that's a positive for them because that normally probably say that it will work pretty much everywhere. Because I always think Bahrain's quite a good sort of serve kit that really it's does got a bit of everything serve. hasn't it yeah it's got a bit of everything it shows it actually how good a car is and that's where the aston didn't look too bad interesting that you haven't mentioned mercedes so far mate <laughs> no like there you go i just got to i brought them up no i don't i don't sort of seeing it happen at the moment because they've got too much too much competition from the other well the aston martin probably more so around them so i think that's where they're going to be on that slightly on that back foot once again as I said, in Australia, I, I probably I wouldn't be shocked if they had a slightly better weekend. But what is better? Well, for me, better is being closer to the Red Bull, especially in qualifying, but not it, it, more important in qualifying. But of course, I think the race is really going to be showing of what what pace of that car has got. And so far, well, I wouldn't say it's got the best pace in the world, has it? No, uh, you'd probably, yeah, I'd agree with that at the minute. Mercedes do look like they're. They're struggling a little bit. I'm going to throw Alpine in the mix for this weekend, Johnny. I don't know why, Isn't but that? just thinking about other teams other than the big teams, I think they yeah. show glimpses of good pace in yeah. um, Saudi Arabia, you know, step yeah. in the right direction. I think I'm going to throw, um, yeah, Ocon and Gasly in there for a strong weekend. Um, yeah. I think, they, you know, I, I, I definitely think they'll be, both be in the points, but I'd like to see them get in the mix with a Mercedes or a Ferrari and qualifying and really you know, mix up that grid a little bit. Yeah. Well, they had a bit of a mare, as we know, in Bahrain, but I think overall the performance of the car wasn't bad, but we never really saw it in a race situation. But then it was good in, you know, it was good in Saudi. Um, it seems to be consistent. I know they want more performance. I think Pierre will come back into it against Esteban. 
for sure when he sort of you know that comfort factor comes into play but yeah I'd, I'd probably say yes they may be sort of the the darker horse of that midfield pack I suppose right so Melbourne predictions mate here we go <laughs> Just firstly, we should react to the poll that we did off the back of Saudi Arabia. And uh, there's a big Cheshire cat sort of smile on my face right now because the predictions of who had the upper hand of me or you, Johnny, they've come in and I got two thirds of the vote, mate. So currently we're sitting two nil up, two nil. But I, I knew I couldn't win this. That <laughs> was where the fun you never know. <laughs> I was just hoping people liked me more than you, but that didn't really work out. <laughs> Listen, you just got to get the prediction right this time, mate, and then you don't have to take it to a vote at all. <laughs> I'm 10 down, aren't I, the man? I'm going to have to count all the other loose change for the next fiver. This is a profitable business for me so far, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I think it is. It's going to be, you know, you're just going to, have, you're going to weigh an absolute ton. Your bag is by the end of the season. <laughs> Do you want me to go first or are you going first this week? Fine. I'm going to be sensible this time. I'm not going to go out of the box like a million miles. I'm not going to do that. You're going to go for a Red Bull 1-2 with Alonso own <laughs> third. I can tell. <laughs> I'm going to go, go a little bit, little bit different. I'm definitely, I'm not going for a Red Bull 1-2 this weekend. Wow. But I'm going to go for Max Verstappen first. I think he's he's going to be, you know, as Helmut Marco said, at 100%, probably lacking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for Charles Leclerc to finish second and Sergio Perez to finish third. I think well. somehow, by hook or by crook, Charles is going to get a good qualifying in there and he'll hang on to it in the race. That's what I thought was going to happen in Saudi. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I had Charles in there as well, mate. I might get a fiver back on this one. I think I've got a good chance of getting some some, uh, some pennies back on this one. So well, I'm not going to Ferrari. I'm going I'm going to go Max. I'm going to go Sergio. And I tell you what, I'm going to go Fernando. So what I just said to you, guys. <laughs> well, I know. Well, you read my mind very well. I'm Ferrari for me have been disappointed so far. Yeah. The problem is, is Sunday. I, I agree. I think Saturday, yes. Yeah, this, that is Sunday's the problem. Sunday's the problem. And that's where I think the Aston has probably the slight edge. I'm a, yeah, feeling a little bit nervous about that one Good. now. Now I've, Good. it's out there in the open and I've heard your prediction with the, the three drivers that have been on the podium in, first, in the first two races. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, Johnny's played sensible, smart card yeah, here yeah. potentially. But, you know, life's about risk. You've got to go for things yeah, sometimes. Well, like, as I said, that's what exactly what I did last time. I even went to try and get my fans out there to vote for me. Um, and that didn't work either. The Johnny Herbert fan club. Where were they, mate? <laughs> they left. <laughs> All those members, they, they've not said anything. They joined you. <laughs> <laughs> they come over to the dark side. Yeah, they have indeed, yes. Exactly, yes. <laughs> well, we can't wait for this one. Yeah. But before we, we get can't. to Melbourne and the Australian Grand Prix, buzzing to be back in Australia and watch that race unfold, we'll be answering your questions in our team radio episode. So if there's anything you guys want to know... Please get in touch with us at Lift the Lid Pod. Yeah, difficult questions as well. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be back later in the week for more of the same. So thanks for being with us, and we'll catch up soon. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. And can't wait to speak to you guys soon. Take care.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 